What's the man's name? Right. Kevin? Okay. Kind of got washed out there. The patience is in. But then if I highlight it in yellow, well, we got lemons hanging. Or green. Green. So, tonight, we get to talk about patience. Which sounds a lot like patience, but those are the people that sit in the doctor's office. And they're related, but not the same thing. Okay? But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. So being patient. You know, like you're going to a hot spot in the hood, you want to eat dinner, have a good time out, and, well, 45 minutes for your table. Opportunity for a wonderful conversation. Right. 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 Smith, party of four, your table's ready. Right? Well, this is not Smith. See, the Smith is up here at the head of the line. This guy here, well, he's like, look, if this line doesn't start moving, I'm leaving her here and crossing over to that McDonald's across the street. <laughs> I'm just saying that, you know, we, we have, we kind of have a, a gut sense of what we view as patients being, right? <coughs> Speaking of doctors. Oh boy. Look, you know, you know your doctor's visit's going to be a while when they provide Chick-fil-A in the lobby, okay? So, you know, if you're coming into the doctor's office and there's Chick-fil-A in the lobby, have you ever wondered why you have to make an appointment to wait several hours to see the doctor? Remember, you're the patient. He may not be. Just or like, she may not be. They're just like the airlines. They overbook. They overbook. So... We have uh, daily challenges in practical patients having to, what's, what's the major component that draws on us for patients on a day-to-day -day practicality? Traffic. Having to wait, right? Traffic, yeah. Things, things slowing down, the world not moving at my speed. Okay? And that, that is a, a component of patience, but we're, we're talking about the fruit of patience. Fruit of the Spirit, patience. Patient fruit. So, Galatians 5.22, we just read the first part of this verse, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. Well, in Luke 8.15, Jesus, in explaining the, the parable of the seeds, you know, he says, as for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. Now, wait a minute. How can the how I bear the fruit and the fruit be the same thing? Wait for it. Okay. Too soon? Maybe not? One a verb and one a noun. Okay. Well, we're reading the English Standard Version. So, um, hi, Mom. How are you? What we're facing is the same English word, but two different Greek words. And I don't want to dissuade you from your regular daily devotions and the language that you know. It's vital. It's important for your Christian life and health and your relationship with God. You need to read your Bible. <laughs> it's good that it's in a language you understand. Elsewise, why read it? But I, I want to encourage you to take opportunity to go behind the scenes, if you will, every now and again, and look at, quote-unquote, the original languages. Now, um, I recently, on my current phone, downloaded the Blue Letter Bible, Free app. What's a blue letter Bible? The blue letter Bible is a is a free app. It's kind of pings off a of logos, I think. But you could you could look up a verse in the King James. You can go into an in a linear, and they give you Strong's, Thayer's. They'll give you commentary. They'll give you three or four different versions of the Bible. It's free, and it's slick. It's a good app on the phone. 
So if you're doing your devotions, you know, like, well, I wonder what's behind that word. It's a really simple thing to do. That's just one way of doing it. You don't have to have a library. But just this alone, where you have the fruit of the Spirit being patience, and then Jesus saying, hey, you've got to bear fruit with patience, should trigger that maybe... Either we're not understanding the English, or we want to understand better. Because we're using the same word, and um, it's not even a homonym. It's spelled the same way. <laughs> right? So, if you would have some patience with some Greek, okay? <laughs> sometimes when you, when you skip, sometimes when I'm speaking English and then things don't go right, I'm like, you know what? I know I'm speaking English, why are they not doing it the way I'm asking them to? No, no, left, 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 okay. So, when you move to Greek, sometimes people go like, well, I don't even know that one. Okay. Logos, right? Logos, I think. But the, the, the app is Blue Letter Bible. Oh. Yeah. In Galatians 5.22, the Greek word behind patience is macrothumia. Oh, that looks weird, because I got Greek letters up there. But this guy right here is a Greek M, and that's an A, and that's a K. You know that. The thing that looks like a P for us is an R in Greek. An O is an O. And the big O with a line across, it's like a TH. It's really easy to read. <laughs> Macrothumia. And, well, even without going into this, if I asked you, macro, what does that mean? Big. 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 Macro. Right? So you understand. Oh, wait, wait a minute. You speak Greek. Okay. Um, thumeo. Think theme. Think theme. Uh, about thermometer or thermos or heat. Just hearing the word and the English you use every day. Not very. So, I'm saying this as an encouragement. Don't let this stuff scare you because God has riches for you. He's got riches for you in the plain English text. He's got riches for you in different versions of the Bible. It's His Word. Okay? And I know there's a lot of controversy about mistranslations and what version do you use. And, and you know, some of it's intellectually valid, but guess whose word it is? It's God's Word. Guess who said it was going to stand forever? God did. Guess who stands watch over it? So, we serve the kind of God that um, will reach people through a text that a demonized Arab wrote in the desert. And God, through that text, inspired by demons, reaches people to Jesus. See, that's the God we serve. <laughs> What do you think he's going to do when you grab a NIV? <gasps> right? So, this is just an encouragement, though, that um, oftentimes, I was reminded just recently, it's not, sometimes it's what you think you know that gets you as much as what you don't know. You know? Okay, I'd only know that. And then it's like, well, I thought that meant this. I think it was uh, um, froward. The word froward. You know, I always just thought that was just a different way of saying forward. But no. So in, in English, you know, toward is toward, going toward. But God says that the froward in heart are an abomination. Fromward. Those who move from Him. Now, I completely miss that. For, for decades, reading that word in English, thinking I knew what it meant. I didn't know what it meant. I thought I knew it. Anyhow, I get off, off topic here. Macrothumia. And so there's the transliteration. So macros is long, right? We still use that, you know, large macro. Mega is big, right? Thumos, which is passion, angry heat, temper. So this combination doesn't mean that your temper lasts long, <laughs> like you're angry all the time, but that. You are long-suffering, long-tempered. Or another way of thinking of it is being of large spirit. Okay? Versus being timid or being what, what the King James calls feeble-minded. 
weak in spirit. Alright? The King James translates macrothumia as long-suffering and as patience. The one in Luke is the word hupomone. And here again, the H is this little mark over here that gives you the sound. So when you transliterate this, you've got a U, but you've got the little dialectic mark on top. That tells you the kind of behind it, right? Pie. We all know pie, right? Banana pie, apple pie. And, and, and what kind of pie? It's November. Come on, folks. Pumpkin pie. Pumpkin pie. All right. Hupamone is cheerful or hopeful endurance, constancy. So the fruit here is being long-suffering, and the way you bear fruit is to cheerfully endure, to stay in it. This is, in a simplified way of saying it, this is an attitude of heart, this is an action of spirit. Once, one is how you view it, how, how you stand, the other one is the actual standing in. Okay, are you with me? King James translates this as enduring, patience, patient continuance. So even that the translators, and looking at these, you can see how different these words are. I mean, even at the transliteration, you're you're like in different zones of a word, right? And yet, because the concepts are so related, the translators use the same English word to translate it. Now, in modern versions, like the English Standard Version, NIV, this kind of a thing, they generally default to patience for macrothumia and to endurance for hupomone. Okay? But not... 100% consistent, but you get the idea. So I just wanted to give you that little glimpse, that, that insight, so we can we can kind of look at these differences. Long suffering. I put up with you long time. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. Long suffering, and then patience or endurance. So this contrast is from Vine's commentary and um, the notes he made with Hobb and uh, on Thessalonians. This is like a I think Bind is like late 18th century uh, commentator, if, I, if I've got him in the, in the catalog right. Here's what he says in, 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 this, in this dictionary, Bind's Expository Dictionary of Biblical Words. Long-suffering is that quality of self-restraint in the face of provocation which does not hastily retaliate or promptly punish. It is the opposite of anger, and it is associated with mercy. It is used of God. In the Septuagint, it is that macrothumia is that word used in Exodus 34, 6, which we'll look at here. Patience is the quality that does not surrender to circumstances or succumb under trial. It is the opposite of despondency and is associated with hope. It is not used of God. You see... When you are all-powerful, what are you bearing up under? But when you're hanging on a cross, what are you enduring? You see, our, our God is long-suffering. And the fruit of the Spirit is the nature and character of God growing out of your life under the power of the Holy Spirit. But He made us clay jars. And he came and inhabited an earth suit so we would know how to be good soil. Where did that clay come from? And how is this fruit going to grow? How are we like, how come I'm not here? How come I'm here? Because you need to cheerfully stick in it for the fruit to grow. If you've ever tried to grow any kind of crop, you know, this is this is why um, Jack and the Beanstalk's a fairy tale. <laughs> you don't throw seeds out there, and, right? Forget the giants. How come no one ever talks about the vine? 
<laughs> the beanstalk itself. Overnight. Yeah. Overnight into the skies, right? Doesn't happen. It takes time. Calvin, okay. Sorry, Calvin. Why are you saying Hi, that this patience is not of God? Um, endurance, that word, hupomone, to bear under, is not used in the New Testament in reference to God. It's used in reference to humans. But certainly used in reference to Jesus of Nazareth because that is God incarnate. Right. Did that work? Did work? What's the word incarnate? Too close. Incarnate. It means God in human flesh. And so, you good? Are you going to wear your arms out? Yep. Hi, Calvin. So, so, going, jumping back. So, we've been in the Greek. We've looked at two Greek words. Now we're jumping back into English. This patient word, as in the adjective, he's being patient. What does this mean? Even out of Webster's, right? Bearing pains or trials calmly without complaint. So, you see how in, in English, this this understanding of being long-spirited and enduring, the word patience brings those together. Okay? But to bear pain or trials calmly without complaint. So I was juggling with Bob last night, like every every uh, fruit teaching, I'm trying to find another fruit tree, because I think fruit trees are beautiful. So I chose, I was like, well, what fruit would I use for patience? So I chose lemons. Because, because patience is like eating a lemon and not making a face. Right? Bearing pains or trials calmly without complaint. Manifesting forbearance under provocation or strain. I mean, if no one's picking at you and you don't lose your temper, you see, there's no patience when there's no trial. In that sense. Right? Not hasty or impetuous. This is starting to sound like self-control. Patience is starting to sound like temperance. So, even though I'm showing, you know, just for eye candy, I guess, these different fruit trees, the fruit of the Spirit are like, they're not really like grapes and oranges. It's, it's more like um, oranges, grapefruit, and nectarines, right? They're, it's all the fruit relates. It's, it's the character. It's the nature of God. Okay? By, by their fruit you shall know them. Well, this is God's fruit. This is who God is. God is loving. God is joyful. God is peaceful. God is patient. Steadfast, despite opposition, difficulty, or adversity. Here's this enduring quality in our English word, patience. Okay? So, God is patient. Exodus 34, 6. Out of the English Standard Version. The Lord passed before him, this is Moses in the cleft of the rock, the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger. See, it might change our perspective a bit when we understand that there is no law against those who are slow to anger. See, we communicate a whole bunch when we say, well, patience is a fruit of the Spirit. Remember, there's... Against the fruit of the Spirit, there's no law. If you're, if, if you're fruitful in the Spirit, right, there, there, there's no need for um, all the other stuff. Right? It's, it supersedes it. This is the quality of God in your life. This is you feeding those around you with the nature and character of God. So, um, of course, it's reminiscent of James. Right. Being quick to listen, slow to speak. Slow to speak, slow to anger. Sorry about that. Amen. So, um, I was going to just flip through the, through the slides again, but I'll just open my Bible. So, Galatians 5.22. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, slowness to anger. That's long-suffering. Right? So, um, I had a fairly ragged day on Thursday. It wound up being a 12-hour day. And at hour 10, I noticed that I was not being slow to anger. I was communicating to my helper 
and he was saying one, he was underneath the desk looking at something. I was above the desk visualizing what I know had been done, and we were not communicating. And I'm, I was getting more and more terse because he kept saying, well, it's unplugged. And I said, right side of the block, follow the cord, the white, is that plugged in? Well, I'll have to unplug it. Is it plugged in? <laughs> in that moment, it's very obvious I'm not being fruitful. I was like, are you hearing yourself, Larry? Yes, he needs to live. No, 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 are you hearing yourself? <laughs> yeah, I need to dial that back. Right? And, and so, God is slow to anger. God calls us to be long-spirited, not sure to fuse. Okay? And abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Look at this. 103rd Psalm. Who doesn't like a good dose of the 103rd Psalm? Huh? 103rd Psalm, verse 8. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. You see how all, this is all in the mix, right? This is all in God's love stew. He will not always chide, nor will He keep His anger forever. Doesn't mean He doesn't have passion. See, here's the thing. It's not a call, you know, part of... Uh, name and names. I threw Islam down. Let's just take let's take a stab at Buddhism now for a minute. <laughs> My limited knowledge of it. This is not an emptying of passion. You know, you, I have no I'm gonna be one with the calmness, right? I have no no innate desire or personal whatever. That's not self control. That's self denial. Right? Or an invitation for another demonic attack, but that's another story. God has passion. So, God has passion. But, He is long in letting it show. And when I say passion, I mean the anger type passion. Can you remember one, please? <laughs> Who's glad God is slow to anger? <laughs> you know, <laughs> they say lightning doesn't strike twice. Can you imagine how many times? You know, <laughs> what this means <coughs> is that, and I, for one, find it at least in current times a a high ask. You know, if someone came to you with an event and they said to you, is this the judgment of God? Okay, this happened. Is that God judging them? I mean, are you, you feel qualified for that call? Mm -hmm. Jesus' disciples came to him with that kind of a situation and, and his answer was, you think he's any worse off than the, than the people over here at the tower fell on? You're asking about the judgment of God. I think you just repent, right? <laughs> right? Just repent. But in Scripture, we can certainly find the judgment of God exhibited, right? I mean, in biblical proportions. Drown the world, anybody? Fry two cities, anybody? Smoke someone to the ground right there, anybody? Die because you walked in the tent the wrong way, anybody? And when you read the narrative, it's like... Um, you know, Aaron's kids walk in and God just had a bad day. Bam! You're dead. But we know the truth. The truth is, God is what? Slow to, Slow to anger. Ananias and Sapphira come before Peter. And Peter says, hey, is that what you sold it for? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, why are you lying to the Holy Spirit? Boom. Dead. That in the narrative, when we read it, seems like, to me, Quick and harsh. Like, you know, I mean, I think if I were training pastors, <laughs> I would say. In, in the narrative, though, Ananias and Sapphira discussed it for quite a while. They conspired. Right? You know, I mean, um, that's the thing. You know, you think you might want to take them aside, counsel them, maybe encourage them to change their ways the whole bit. You know, I don't know anything about real estate sales in, in ancient times. But, certain things stand consistent over time. Title deed, who actually owns the land, 
how is that transferred, the money transfer? And if anything, money transfer then a lot slower than money transfer now. Our global economy, a lot of it is due to the speed with which we can move money. We can move what we call money at the speed of light. Okay? So, transactions, so think about that. Think about what Alan said. You know, from one side of this thing, they walk in and boom, boom, they're both dead. God's not playing around. <laughs> Quick judgment. Okay? But on the other side of it, we know it took time to consider this, to come up with this plan for their hearts and, and what was going on. What were they trying to do, you know? Why are they why are they being this hey look at us, look how good we are? Why is all this going on until finally so what we know, the truth we know, whenever we read narratives like that is is that God is slow to anger. God's slow to anger. So whenever we read that he took judgment, he took his time getting there. Even if we don't get the backstory, even if we don't get the full narrative, because God is truth, and his character is consistent, he never goes off the handle on anybody. I mean, how many plagues do you need, Pharaoh, before your child dies? Wow. <laughs> you know? Right? Well, that, that was, that water to blood's kind of harsh. It wasn't his kid. <laughs> right? How about you? Pharaoh stack him up for a long time and then he took all their firstborn in the night. They did all down one time. God is slow to anger. And so, um, I know I've done wrong. I'm not being flip, I'm just saying. I know I've done wrong. And when I do wrong, it's like, do you ever have a God flinch? Sure. You know, you know you're wrong for that, the God flinch, right? Because, what are you waiting for? Uh, maybe it's just me. You don't God flinch? <laughs> you God flinch at all? Once or twice. To me, it's more of a fear that kind of creeps in like dark clouds. You know, like, you know. and this is, this is not to presume on the grace of God. This is to believe in His mercy. To know that He's slow to anger. That He's merciful and gracious and abounding in steadfast love. This is our God. He won't always, he's not going to keep his anger forever. It's not like he can just keep, you know, poking him and poking him and poking him. And you let a couple millennia go by, he might burn something down. Mm -hmm. Okay? Understand? But isn't it encouraging to know that your father never loses? Oh my God, if I had never lost my temper, if I had never lost my temper as a father now, I've got kids who never seen me get so mad as, as my older kids did that are scared of how angry I get that I don't get anymore. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine? If, if this fruit is bearing, it's real easy to tell. Did you fly off the handle? Take a step back. Take a step back. You know? Was it something that was a long time coming? Well, that's a different story. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins. i got to stop again. How come we deal with us according to our sin? How come we look at ourselves in a way that our own father doesn't look at us? I say we. I should just say me. John, I'm just confessing. Put us all in there. Yeah. I'm just confessing. That I figure the gracious, merciful, full of compassion, long-suffering, slow to anger God who died for me when I was yet in my sins, somehow, now that I'm, my, I'm his kid, is going to backhand me when I realize, because the Holy Spirit he put in me... <laughs> I've gone astray. What kind of image of God is that? An idol. That's what that is. He does not deal with us according to our sins. Nor repay us according to our iniquities. And this is good news. Amen. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His steadfast love to those who fear Him. 
As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. The only thing that keeps you from God's love, experiencing God's love, is your pushback. See, if you believe Jesus died for your sins, you've got to believe He's all in for you. He's not going to leave you bound to that sin He washed off. Not what He does. Not how He deals with you. He, does not, he doesn't look at you and see sin. He looks at you and sees His child. He looks at you through eyes of love. He looks at you cleansed. 2 Peter 3.9 The Lord is, is not slow to fulfill His promises, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Now in context, this verse is about the new heavens and the new earth. Okay? About, you know, why is this, why is this is coming delayed? And, and what's going on? I mean, you know, we're... Where Paul's writing about the last days and 1,900 plus years have gone by. I mean, how long is this day anyway? Right. You know? <laughs> I, I think that, and, and I, I share the excitement, so don't, don't, don't mishear me. I think the Lord's coming is near. I agree. It's been near since He left. It's nearer now. It's near now. <laughs> But it was just as near experientially to those who received the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost as it is for us today. 19 years later. Why so long? Why so long? He's patient, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Mm -hmm. So that's the context. But let's apply this in life. How come God's not dealing with them on that yet? praying for somebody. Oh, you know. We can't figure out world events whether or not that tsunami was the judgment of God or whether that plague was really because those people, you know, um, didn't do right and God's going to wipe them out with AIDS or something. We're never like that as Christians. But, um, but boy, people, individuals, we know when they're astray. <laughs> you know? How long, are they gonna, how long is God going to let them keep drinking? How long is He going to let them keep doing? How long are they going to, you know, I mean, how long before I get my answer? Or even on practical things. How come God's not answering my prayer? Well, sometimes the not yet is because you ain't ready. Because waiting patiently, lovingly for you to come to repentance. He does that by being kind to you. By being good to you. <laughs> because the goodness of God leads to repentance. Amen. See, when he says my ways are higher than your ways, he really means it. <laughs> he, he's patient toward you. This is, this is Peter writing to a congregation. He's patient toward you, wishing none would perish. Just chew on that for a minute. Romans 2, verse 3. Do you suppose, O man, you who judge those who do such things and yet do them yourself, that you'll escape the judgment of God? Or do you presume on the riches of His kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness, God's kindness, God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? So, there are days where we can have a divine encounter and share our testimony with somebody, tell somebody of Jesus, and see them come to saving faith. There could be weeks like that. There could be a life like that. And then there are lives that God has you hooked at the hip with that it takes decades. And you're like, why? Why? I, I keep sharing this testimony because I always... It impressed me so much, but my, my Aunt Jeannie prayed for her brother Roel for decades. And, and so Aunt Jeannie, Uncle, Uncle Glennon, her husband, was the Southern Baptist preacher. And anyhow, so Roel, so one of the last conversations I had with Aunt Jeannie on the phone, she said, you know, we, we, were, we were sitting with him and, and, and talking to him, and oh, Nicholas, he's so close. He's so close. She's been praying for her brother for 50 years. At that stage, 50 years, you know. I have a treasure. I have a, 
have a letter of, I, I think it's my, a letter of my father write, writing to Jeannie about him coming to the Lord because of what she, what she had done. Anyhow, when we're ministering to people, patience, long-suffering, to see them come to Christ, the, the kindness, the goodness of God leads to repentance. 2 Peter 3, verse 13. But according to His promise, we are waiting for a new heavens and a new earth which righteous, in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found by Him without spot or blemish and at peace. And count the patience of our Lord as salvation. God's patience with us leads to our wholeness. Isn't that good? <laughs> How about your patience with yourself? How about your patience with other people? I need a little bit of Holy Spirit-empowered, juicy fruit patience with myself. <laughs> juicy fruit, you know, the gum, but, you know, fruit. Is, look, it just was there. I had I'm to sorry, I, 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 it. You just, just went somewhere else. It baffled the mind. Yeah, okay, all right. Juicy fruit doesn't last long. So you doesn't like, well, you know, I mean, a real succulent fruit. I mean, like, really energetic, right? A good melon, maybe. Melon, I guess. There you go. Right? To be patient, as, as try to be as patient with myself as God is patient. Right? Be patient with others as God is patient. How? By being mean to yourself, being mean to others, or being kind? Mm -hmm. Love is what encourages change. Love is what encourages change. Find that back up. Count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him. So speaking of brother Paul, let's look at his testimony. 1 Timothy 1, verse 15. For this, the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. But I receive mercy for this reason, that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display His perfect patience, the fullness of His patience, as an example to those who were to believe in Him for eternal life. The King of ages, immortal and visible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever. Amen. Amen. This is a revelation to Paul. A revelation of where he stood in the true accounting of things before Christ. That Jesus came in to save sinners and he was top shelf sinner among them all. And though it is specific, like all scriptures, it's not only a revelation, it's an application. Because, you know what? Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. Amen. If God can save me, He can save anybody. Amen? Amen. To understand. Another, another scale on the way to sin isn't what was done, but who was offended. <laughs> right? You know, if someone passes flyers out in the parking lot, and I go to your vehicle, and I pull the flyer off your windshield, maybe you thank me, maybe you get mad. But it's a, it's a minor infraction. But if I go to your mailbox and pull a flyer out that the post office served, what, where am I now? It's the same action. Oh, but it's the party offended. He is the Holy God. He's perfect. And sin is not. <laughs> and Jesus came to save me. Thank you, Lord. Chief of sinners. Amen. Fruit grows and prayer fertilizes. Colossians, not nine, Colossians one, verse nine. That's a typo. Colossians 1, verse 9. And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, 
so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. May you be strengthened with all power according to His glorious might for all endurance with patience and patience with joy. Amen? Amen. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you. He's qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in life. <laughs> I don't know what to pray. Read the Bible. Speak to God. Pray. Right? This is a powerful blessing with the anointing of the Holy Spirit all through it, in it, and around it. And prayer through the power of the Holy Spirit fertilizes that growth of fruit in your life, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. A hot-tempered person can dis is destructive. A short fuse is destructive. Right? Um, better a man who can control the spirit than a warrior. Right? Or as a city without walls is a man with no self-control. I know we're talking about endurance and patience, but I told you they're related. Mm -hmm. Right? You, and, and so, you, you can't bear into good work if you can't bear. If you can't bear. If you can't... Anybody work with jerks? Yeah. <laughs> it's a good word, right? They're, I mean, jerks, right? There are people out there, they're just... just. I, I have worked with jerks. I, I've been a jerk. Wait. Wait, wait a minute, you know. And and so, it. I, I tell you what, um, encouragers get better work done. <laughs> um, patient people who can endure get lasting work done. A hot temper will blow your life up in a heartbeat. Praise be to God that through His Holy Spirit, He grows His nourishing character in us and through us for those around us. Amen? So, Scripture gives us the example of Job. The patience of Job. You remember about that? The patience of Job? James 5, verse 10, out of the King James Bible. Because, you know, James, out of the King James, but never mind. Verse 10, Take my brethren the prophets, Take my prophets, please. Take my brethren prophets who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering, affliction, and of patience. Behold, we count them happy who endure. Have you read about these guys? Yes. Thrown in wells, sawn asunder, stoned to death. We count them happy who endure. Blessed are those. See, his ways are not our ways. We need to get his scale of values, right? Behold, we count them happy which endure. You have heard of the patience of Job, and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful, very compassionate, and of tender mercy. You know, it, Job is like one of those novels that if you don't get to the end of it, it's a really terrible read, right? I mean, if you it's read hard, Job, it's a hard and, yeah, and, and, and you just give up, you lose patience and endurance before you get into the 40 chapters, right? It's like, I don't even, why is this in the Bible? This, this God Job serves, what a, oh my goodness, right? But then, when it all turns around, it wasn't, God's, that, that nature of God didn't change. It's just that you've got to be patient to see it exhibited. Because who was God working on? Job was caught in the crossfire, but who was God working on? His three friends. His three friends who completely misunderstood the nature of God. They completely misunderstood the trial of the man of God. And God was trying to get their attention. Well, Job's, but that's part of it, Right? So, he's given to us as an example. So, just three things, three principles, if you will, of what maintained Job, what gave him long-suffering, what gave him endurance. First is, he understood. Job understood, and by understood, I mean he understood God was sovereign, right? <laughs> Job understood the sovereignty of God. I think, I think that 
a lot of times in life, when life happens, we get all twisted up in, in whether or not, you know, what's God doing? What did I do? What's the theology on this? And just, and just instead of just, hey, God's God. Right? Well, couldn't have God stopped this? Or couldn't I have done something different to not have this? Or how come my prayer wasn't answered? You know, God's God. Right? And obviously we don't, it, when we get great blessing, you know, we, we, we don't generally question you know, whether that's, whether God's active, right? Oh, yeah, you know, I went to the grocery store and, the, you know, the doors opened automatically and then I got that discount at the cashier's thing and then, I, you know, and I ran into an old buddy, I got a new job and, and, hey, God was really for me and then I walked outside and, bam, someone hit my car. What's God trying to tell me? What's going on? <laughs> you know, the minute the trial hit, he understood the sovereignty of God. Job 1, verse 20. Then Job arose and tore his robe and shaved his head and fell on the ground and worshipped. He just found out he'd lost everything and all his children. And his response to grief was worship God. And he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb and naked shall I return. It is, it, it's, it, without vigilance, it is, it is incredible how quickly we can lose thankfulness and slide from gratefulness to um, entitlement. Because most of our crying is about losing what we think we're entitled to. And we forget that because of the long-suffering of God, we have not gotten what we're entitled to. Thank you, Lord. Right? Thank you. Right? And so... Trial is measured by loss of what? You know, loss of health, loss of wealth, loss of love, loss of loss, 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 loss. And if it's just you, your skin, and your bones, well, how did you come into this world? And oh, by the way, through what agency did you enter? And why is it you draw breath at all? And how is it that, however miserable our life is at the moment, we get to experience it sentiently under the auspices of the hand of Almighty God? Naked I came into this world, naked I shall return. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And all this Job did not sin or charge God with wrong. Okay? So, you could, you could find slice and dice, permissive will of God, you know, the devil's active, all this kind of stuff. God doesn't get all the theological debates you want. In this expression of Job's worship and his deep grief, God said, He didn't charge me with the wrong. I am. <laughs> right? I can give it. I can take it. I'm God. So, what gave Job endurance, what gave Job long-suffering, was he understood who was on the throne. He understood God was, was in charge. Secondly, he had an eternal perspective. It's Job 19. In verse 25. For I know that my Redeemer lives, and at the last He will stand upon the earth. And after my skin has, thus, has been thus destroyed, yet in my flesh will I see God. That is nothing, nothing more, nothing less than a profession of faith in the resurrection of the just. Praise Jesus. Amen? Amen. Amen? He had an eternal perspective. Any pain we suffer is but momentary in this day. And, and hey, I won't deny that there are times where it's excruciating. Mm -hmm. But it ain't never forever. <laughs> Amen? Amen? Unless you're not saved. Unless you're not saved. And, and, and then, that's a horrible perspective. And that's a horrible perspective. Finally, he had what I call the peace of personal integrity or a clean conscience. This is Job 27. So, and I just want to give you a, an application of this. Okay, but I want to read it first. Job 27. 
verse 5. Far be it from me to say that you are right. Till I die, I will not put away my integrity from me. I hold fast to my righteousness. I will not let it go. My heart does not reproach me for, for, um, reproach me for any of my days. Okay? So, in the context of the New Testament saint, <laughs> in the life we live, who is your righteousness? Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus is. So there is, there is the spiritual righteousness of faith that we know He's cleansed us. We're righteous because He's been made the righteousness of God to us. There's comfort in knowing that you're walking the right path. There's comfort in knowing that you hadn't done wrong, right? Of, of staying clean. But the real bedrock is not staying clean, but of having been cleansed. Okay? You can stay, you have power through the Holy Spirit to live righteously because you have been cleansed. Any clean living we do in the Lord today, the only clean living we do that stands the test of that judgment seat that remains gold, silver, precious stones is that built on the foundation of Jesus Christ. I have no self-righteousness. So, when I know I've done wrong and have the God flinch, okay, is, is to confess, to be cleansed in the blood, and then when the accuser comes, who pretends to be my comforter, who pretends to be my friend, and wants to remind me of what a low-down, dirty snake I am, I will not let go of my righteousness. I will hold on to my integrity, because it was blood-bought. Right? So Job's patience, he understood the sovereignty of God, he had an eternal perspective, and he had the peace of personal integrity, a clean conscience, which we get on the foundation of Jesus Christ, being cleansed by His blood. Amen? Amen. James 5, verse 7. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until he receives the early and the latter rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. I'm showing the Lord Jesus. Amen. 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 Amen.